Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I wanted to tell you about Black on the Air, hosted by the one and only, the great one, Larry Wilmore. Even though he's a Lakers fan, I still like him. I think he's talented. But he has all kinds of guests on, from Neil deGrasse Tyson to Al Franken to Bernie Sanders. You name it, they're coming on. Pop culture, politics, newsmakers. And then at at the beginning of every podcast, Larry does a little riff about whatever is either sticking in his car or things that he's enjoying. Although he has been enjoying much lately with the way the world's going. But uh, Larry will riff on anything. And then he has guests on. It's great. If you liked everything else that he's done, comedy-wise, if you loved his Comedy Central show, you will love this podcast. It is a medium that he has built for it. It's called Black on the Air, hosted by Larry Wilmore. Get it wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. What's up, guys? It's your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. It's a very, very special edition today. We had Hell in a Cell on Sunday. It was a really, I mean, a, a, a pretty great show. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion on Monday night. Um, before we get to any of that, the rumors that are, the, the, the hot rumor du jour is that, uh, is that Neville supposedly walked out on Monday night. Or I, I don't know if anyone's disputing that he walked out on Monday night, but supposedly asked for his release. Uh, everybody's everybody that's that that has sources say that WWE is saying that you know he's not he's still employed. There's no release. There's not nothing like that. Uh, everything's overblown. I mean, I think the Occam's razor of this is that he probably did walk out and might have may or may not have asked for his release at that moment. And WWE's not inclined at all to give it to him, so it doesn't really matter. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the story from our pal Ryan Satin at Pro Wrestling Sheet. He said he basically asked for it. And they haven't given it to him. And uh, that's why he wasn't on Raw on Monday. Here's the thing: this is this is a tough one. I mean, I, I'm all about. I mean, if he wants his release, he should get his release. Like you know, I'm 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 all about workers' rights, and and you know, God knows that professional wrestlers uh, don't always get the be- or don't always get put in the best situations as far as that goes. Um, I guess I'm more interested in like does is like if if he is upset with the way he's being booked or whatever. Is that is that legitimate and I, I mean legitimate's obviously what i mean to each his own but i mean he just came off of an epic run as the cruiserweight champion just anchoring the division i mean anchoring's un- understating it i mean he made the division um then we're kind of doing this transition to enzo amore and i think you're seeing what you see with the with the cruisers especially in their it's i mean especially on raw but uh even on 205 live is there sort of like a limited bandwidth for angles yeah it's like the women's division i mean there's like we got one we got you know the the main storyline for the belt and maybe there's a 1b uh and then everything else is just sort of you know a, a whirlpool of of monotony well let, let me uh just point out that you're not really a big 205 live watcher no, I don't watch so, it all the time. Yeah, so you know, Drew Gulak is doing his PowerPoint gimmick, and there's there's stuff on there. Uh, I guess Davari is now um, 
Enzo's lackey. Yes. So there's a lot of stuff that is happening. It's just that you have to then watch the other show, which I think is is a thing that maybe frustrates some viewers of WWE because it's like, oh, I got to watch another another hour of wrestling. Uh, and it's not like world-class great matches. They're just you know regular TV matches. Sure. Um, so they're trying, I think... I would I would guess I don't know but I think Neville's frustration was probably that I read that he was supposed to job again yeah and <laughs> if job, that was I mean. the, if that was the case then giving the belt to Kalisto was hilarious to me it's almost like a rib on him oh yeah you're gonna you're gonna walk out well we'll give the belt to Kalisto listen I mean I, I mean I I don't never watch two five live I watch it I just don't stare at it with my eyes bleeding oh, like I'm not I do saying, in Raw. Yeah. But no, no, what, but, but, I, but the point I want to make is that when you watch, they, they'll reference matches, but they don't really reference it on Raw as, as if it's part of continuity. Right. Right? So, I mean, there, if you watch the, the Lumberjack match on Monday night, uh, you had Corey Graves being like, well, well, I guess he found some friends, speaking of Enzo. Some of that had happened on 205 Live, but you wouldn't really get that idea from the way that the match is being called, right. you know? And also, I mean... I think that there's a lot of room. I mean, I, I, there, there's a lot of different ways you can book this thing, and I think they're. I think they they use 205 Live well for the most part, but it's, I don't know. It's it it, it is weird. It is weird how quickly. I mean, on if you just watch Raw, that the storyline shifted from every single cruiserweight hates Enzo Amore to like half of them are kind of on his side because they're heels, right? Just basically overnight, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if the original plan was was that Neville loses to sort of like put a pin in that feud, then we can move on at the next pay-per-view where Kalisto will beat Enzo or take on Enzo for the title. I mean, I guess I can see that. I don't see, I don't, but I, it doesn't, I don't think, I mean, I kind of am on Neville's side here. I don't think it really, I don't think it would have helped the Enzo Kalisto feud for Neville to be just taken out of the picture completely cleanly or whatever. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think that the way it went off was fine. Although, again, you sort of feel like they're making booking decisions with no memory of what's happened before. This constant re- repeat, and we see it in, saw it in the women's division a couple of times where you do the title change before the pay-per-view to give a little extra oomph to the pay-per-view match and that it's a big return. I don't know. That's a classic Sasha Banks-Charlotte situation. This does remind me a little bit of what happened after... I guess backlash or payback or whichever one was the raw pay per view after WrestleMania, where it was clear that the, the pin was put into Neville and Austin Aries, and then all of a sudden Austin Aries asked for his release and yeah, leaves. Yeah. So it's like, what what are they? What is the booking situation where you keep driving off these people once you take them out of the title picture? I don't know why you can't. I mean. <sighs> Obviously, if he just like heard the decision and walked out, it's not like there's a lot of opportunity for like figuring uh, for figuring out the plan B or whatever. But I mean, wouldn't it make all the sense in the world just to like give him a couple of weeks off and then to let him like you know join up with Owens and Sami Zayn on SmackDown or just do? I mean, you can just do something else with him. He doesn't have to be like stuck in the cruiserweight division. He's obviously proven his worth. And if you're not letting him be in the main event there let him go be in the mid card on another show yeah it's a it's a little strange because the ecosystem of 205 live is so split from the rest of wwe it's like as soon as enzo and kalisto go into that world they can't really interact with anybody else yeah um and that's probably frustrating to these guys where it's like you've got the mark of cain on you 
and this is it. You're a cruiserweight forever, and you can't really do anything creative well, or different. I think I said it a couple, you know, months ago on the show that uh, you know my buddy Tom was was watching a show with his girlfriend, and they were watching two hundred five the two hundred five live taping. They were there live, and she was like, "If none of these guys can ever fight John Cena, why should I care about him?" And I joked with him that. 205 Live is basically like a is basically like a reality show where the winner gets to be <laughs> Rey Mysterio. You know, I mean, it's like one of like there's there's not obviously the sizes of wrestlers are coming down and down and down, which is great for product and enjoyment and everything else. But there is going to be a limit to how many kind of undersized, you know, to borrow the phrase like kicky flippy guys. There's going to there are going to be competing at a high level on the main roster. Right. And. I, you, you, the frustration must be there, must be palpable for for all of them. Well, as the size of the average WWE superstar goes down, don't you think that it becomes even more frustrating to know that you've been cordoned off into this yeah. pin? I mean, especially for someone like Neville, who doesn't need to be of all of the guys on there, does not need to be specific to it. Now yeah. you look, you look at somebody like, I mean, I don't even know. Uh, I mean, Drew Gulak's a guy. I mean, the kind of the guys that just look like smaller, regular dudes probably have a ceiling, you know, yeah. and that's a division. Um, uh, you know, I've said, I think I've said before that like Johnny Gargano is like, you know, if he were four inches taller, he'd be world champion. I mean, he'd be, he'd, he has like every tool, you know, and he's not obviously specific to that division either. He's hanging out on NXT, but there, but that's a NXT is a good example of how the, those lines can be blurred, you know, between uh, the various sizes, the tag division, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope Neville sticks around. There's obviously a lot you can do with him. And I and I think that, you know, I mean, there's literally no reason why you can't just take Neville straight from 205 Live and book him against any, I mean, book him for any, like, mid-card for, for the IC title or take him over to the U.S. title. I mean, it's not, I don't think putting him and AJ Styles in the ring together, like, diminishes AJ Styles or makes you realize how small he, whatever. It's just, just let him, let him be a wrestler. Part of... My problem is that it seems like the idea of a cruiserweight is a 1990s, early 2000s concept because everybody's small now. That's why Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar stand out so much because they're the only giants in the entire company. But it's not like it can't work. I mean, we get in this vicious cycle where it's like we beg WWE to to bring back the cruiserweight division. They bring it back and then we're down on them for like killing, you know, for, for jobbing the cruiserweight division or demeaning it or whatever. But it's like, but it's the history of cruiserweights in in mainstream American wrestling that's really. I mean, WWE can do better. I mean, there's you know, like the you know, junior titles in Japan. There's like you know, there are, are on the same level as the heavyweight titles, right? I mean, there can be different, like two different weight classes, and people can transcend those. It's it's feasible for it to be booked that way. I think it's just, I think the hardest thing is just that you bring in, you know, 20 cruiserweights at one time and you're like, care about all these guys. And that's the most difficult thing in pro wrestling is to give people a reason to care. Or just the the thing where it's, this is the time for the cruiserweights on the show and we change the lights and there's a different logo and all this stuff. That seems like it's a self-defeating sort of um, decision, to creative decision to make. Because you go back to WCW, and I was saying this when they first launched the show, WCW changed wrestling by bringing these guys to America. But then at some point, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, all of those guys became main roster superstars in the WWF. Mm -hmm. Because WCW looked at them as cruiserweights, as vanilla midgets, as generic uh, flippy guys. 
So once you put that label on them, it's hard to take the label off unless you go somewhere else. Yeah. So I think that's probably what Neville's thinking is, how do I get this label off of me and how do I become just Neville again? And he's been doing his best work of his entire career these last six months. So it's a shame if, the, if he really does leave. But who knows? Maybe if he goes to New Japan, he'll do even better work. But we should move on. We should talk about some of the big stuff, huh? We should. But before, let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to tell you about House of Carbs, hosted by one of my best friends, Joe House. I've known him since 1988, and the entire time I've known him, he's been very, very hungry. And now he has a chance to host a podcast about being hungry. All the things that make him hungry, the food that he loves, it is a podcast by the hungry, for the hungry. And it's not your typical foofy food podcast where they're talking about foie gras and all that stuff. No, no. We're talking about diners. We're talking about fried chicken sandwiches, pizza slices, best Chinese food. Everything you, everything you talk about with food is on this podcast and with great guests like David Chang, uh, Chris Bianco, Jimmy Kimmel, a bunch of people coming up. All of them love food. Nobody loves food quite as much as Joe House. But listen, check this out. Subscribe right now to Have Some Cards wherever you get your podcasts. What do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about the Shield? Let's talk about the Shield options. You have the Shield or you have (laughs) Hell in a Cell? Let's start with the Shield reunion because I thought, despite the fact there wasn't a ton of foreshadowing or buildup, it was still a great moment. Yeah. It was awesome. When they did the Cerberus powerbomb on on Braun Strowman into the table, which, by the way, that's what it's called. It's not called the triple powerbomb. It's called the Cerberus. But according to who? Corey Graves and everyone. That's what it's called. Because it's, it's a three-headed way, dog. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, yeah. I think it's a way better. The it's triple a, triple powerbomb is is just inaccurate. Because yeah. a triple powerbomb would be powerbombing someone three, three times. Three, oh, okay, oh, or that. Or you're powerbombing three people at the same time. Right. <laughs> um, no, I, I was I was very into it. And as much as I wanted that, you know, my fantasy booking of them reuniting as heels, I mean, it was it's undeniable how over they were. And that might have been a terrible idea if the crowd just, like, went ape for them, you know? Yeah. Um, Weird, weird week for crowds, by the way. I don't know if it's the, was it the, we'll talk about SmackDown in a bit, but that SmackDown crowd was dead as hell. I don't know if it's because it was half full or whatever. But it was because it, it was half full. Yeah. I read that uh, they didn't shoot Nakamura's thing where he uh, does his uh, little pose in front of the crowd because there were too many empty seats. Mm. Oh, well. Anyway, yeah, the, the Shield reunion is pretty great. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see these guys back together. It's um, it's it's undeniable. Like every single one of them, even when they were doing that like silly ass promo backstage, and and Rollins was like, "You can believe that" or whatever, and you can believe that. It felt awesome. Yep, they all, belong all of them, together. All of them feel more significant as a unit. Yeah, and and part of that's just where we are right now. You know, I mean, I'm not you can take nothing away of Rollins from Rollins' championship run from Dean's championship run. Um. I mean, let's not overlook that fact that he was, I mean, the reactions that he was getting, the way that they put him over to, to uh, you know, to launch SmackDown Live. Um, and Roman obviously has been, you know, the big dog for some time. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, together, it's just like they're way more than the sum of the parts, at least, at least in, you know, October 2017. If they really want Roman Reigns to get over as a, as a conquering hero babyface, they're going to have to just stay together. Maybe they don't have to always be working on the same angles or, or what have you, but they should stay a unit. Keep selling the t-shirts, keep doing the thing. There's no reason why they have to break up in January or in March or something like that. Let it continue. It would be foolish to break them up at this point. Now, it's only been one week, and it could get stale, and people could start booing Roman Reigns again, 
Right now, this is the most popular he's been in years. The great moment, I mean, the best moment of the night was when they faced off against Braun Strowman because mm-hmm. it had one of those epic, like, Shielders of the Wyatt family moments where everybody's, like, so in on all these guys and you just want to see, you want to see what would happen. Um, now, by the end of the night, Braun Strowman has been now, has been added in <laughs> yeah. to the TLC, is it a, t- a, t- a TLC, a full it's table out of the chairs match. match? It's the Miz, the Bar, and Braun Strowman versus the Shield. Now, I talked myself into, I think I said this last week, I had talked, midway through Raw last week, I talked myself into the Miz and the Miz-Tourage versus the Shield, just being like a warm-up routine for the Shield's several-month, you know, reunion tour. Um, then when the bar came in, I was like, okay, better match. Uh, I'm le- I'm weirdly a little bit out on it compared to the Miz-Tourage, just because it's it seems like the same ending. It, it seems like, it, it, like the same inevitable conclusion, but... Uh, you know, it's just a, a different road there, and it was just an unnecessary use of the bar. But now you bring in Braun Strowman. I don't know the crowd. This is going to be the weirdest. This is the weirdest heel foursome to gauge crowd reaction because you get the purest heel in the biz and Miz. Uh, you have the bar who are working their asses off to be heels, but still are, are kind of climbing up the, you know, the smart cheer charts. And Braun Strowman, who's a straight up babyface until the moment that the Shield confronted him on the ty- on the ramp, and what do you what, what how do you think the crowd's going to react? I think they're going to be a hundred percent pro Shield. I think there's something about those three guys together that just works in the same way that there was something about Stone Cold Steve Austin working or something about Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. The three of them together are one great wrestler. Not that they're all you know j- jabronis separately because they're all great separately but there's just something that you can't put your finger on that makes them special together and the more that they emphasize that the more that that group is going to get over and be able to really carry the company if you could really voltron the three of them into (laughs) one wrestler it would be the greatest wrestler of all time yeah because you think about reigns's look ambrose's promo skills and Rollins' uh, work. Yeah. You know, his, uh, his ability to, to do a lot of different things. To be fair, things. I think I would take a few things from the Reigns playbook for as far as ring work goes oh, if, yeah, I was, if I was putting him together. Yeah, but Reigns yeah. is great. Well, listen, I couldn't be more excited to see those guys back. At least it's like, I mean, it feels like a big deal. I mean, that's, that's what we care about, right? Yeah, it's a fun time uh, all of a sudden to be into wrestling again because then you go to SmackDown and you've got the heel turn that David Shoemaker himself called last week. When we previewed the pay-per-view, Sami Zayn is now the most dastardly figure in professional wrestling. I think the most dastardly figure uh, in, in professional wrestling is Bobby Roode's lack of memory for his script. If you want your rematch... You got it. Oh man! I did also predict, by the way, the the Dolph Ziggler coming out in it with no with no music you in did. all black. So uh, this is a banner that was uh, uh, Hell in a Cell was a banner night. Who's for me listening to this show? Probably nobody. Yeah. Well, not I mean in WWE, people listen to the show, but just not anyway. But yeah, it, that that was a lot of fun. But the the Sami Zayn heel turn, I thought. I mean, even though I I crawled it a little bit, I was like. Like the way it was pulled, executed was just pitch perfect. And we'll, we'll let's talk about the match. But uh, since it's you know recording this on Wednesday morning, we got to talk about that Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn promo on SmackDown. It it might have been the best the best two man promo of all time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's probably overstatement. But it was 
so well done. It was just so well done. And I was watching it. I was watching it with the valet, with your kid. It was like so we like we were all just wrapped. And uh, I mean, it was, you know, you make certain sacrifices as a wrestling fan who gets to watch with his girlfriend. Um, it was, I think, the first time that I've like shushed other like <laughs> my my loved ones during a wrestling thing in six months. I was just like, I got to, and it was it was just so well done. Kevin Owens was Pete. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn was on a level that he's never been. And the best thing about it, well, there were a lot of good things about it. My two favorite things were one that Sami Zayn thought he was doing the right thing and made made that very clear. There's no better heel than a righteous heel. I mean, he he just like he had to do it. I mean, and and then the logic was airtight. But then the the uh, introducing each other at the end <laughs> and going for the cheers was just like there was one other thing that I'm forgetting. But there were a couple of moments in the promo where I was just like, oh, they thought of this thing that someone should have thought of before. Like this should this should be a, this is like too sweet. This is like such a great little thing, and that. Raising the other one's arm, introducing, oh, it was so on point. Ladies and gentlemen, Sammy Zayn! No, 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 hey, hang on. No, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Owens! Uh, and I'm so excited for these two. As, uh, as likable as Sammy Zayn is, it never occurred to me that he could be the opposite just by being slightly more obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Just like his his entrance was already kind of histrionic oh, yeah. and silly, but this on Tuesday was just absolutely like Ellsworth level heat. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, God, you're annoying. <laughs> Stop doing well, that. When he came out, I was just like, Oh, what, they're gonna let him do like the baby face intro. Like, and I, and as he was coming in, I was I was sort of I, I thought it was a bad move, and then I caught myself thinking the words, "I hate this entrance so much," and I was like, Oh yeah, he's this a is heel. Perfect. Yep. This is like my old joke about uh, about Seth Rollins needing to like become like the like actually talk about CrossFit on the air when he was a heel because <laughs> it's just like when something is so corny it's it were it translates immediately to being a villain yeah and yeah I mean just uh, yeah it was it was just really well done but let's talk a little bit about the match sure I, I I don't know if it was the seat I was sitting in we were watching at the new apartment of the one and only King of Sad Style it's Dan really Saint beautiful Germain. wow his marble everywhere. There's Mar- a statue of himself riding a unicorn. It's crazy. <laughs> Marble galore, for sure. Um, I was wrapped in the match. I mean, yeah. it was a good show overall that built, it was structured really well, I felt like. Um, but I, it, it was a much better Hell in a Cell match than I was prepared for. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I really loved the moment where Kevin Owens is on the top of the cell and he's thinking about jumping off. That's a heel move to make. Oh yeah. Is I'm not going to give these people what they want. I'm not going to go jump off of the cell because all that daredevil shit is the stuff that that people really want to see and get the most excited about and is the reason why people love Shane McMahon or loved Mick Foley or one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more of a reason for Shane because he's not as great of a promo as Mick Foley was and not as charismatic, but that Daredevil stuff is exactly what people want to see when they see that match. So not giving it to them was such a, a genius heel move. Yeah, and that whole sequence on top of the cage was petrifying. Yeah. Um, but it was a really well, like, I mean, they they wrestled. They had, like, a match on top of the cell, which was just really, really impressive. 
Um, clearly reinforced cell. Well, there was one square, one 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 patch of the quilt that was that was the target of most of the power bombs and stuff. Yeah. So I'm guessing that one was absolutely indestructible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they should build spaceships out of whatever that <laughs> panel of the cell was made out of. But the, but but it was still like so like to see them reusing the same spot made it even more dire because it was like are they trying to break through is this like are they is the idea that it's gonna snap and they just have to power bomb each other until it works it was really it was really crazy uh and it was it was a you know it wasn't like entirely in a innovative like piece by piece but in whole it really felt like they kind of found a new way to to draw draw excitement out of the cell, which is a hard thing to do in 2017. Yeah, I think we had a, a pay-per-view where both of the cell matches were different and both good. The tag team title match mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of crazy bumps and jumps and things of that nature, but you know, just tying Xavier Woods to the post and sort of crucifying him in mm-hmm. a way. Or, I don't want to say lynching him, but that's what I kept yelling. <laughs> Dan's as like, they're lynching him. Um so it was overall a pretty good show. There were some some down spots. The Bobby Roode, Dolph Ziggler matches yet another stinker in Dolph Ziggler's resume. Yeah, that was okay. Eh, no, I, I thought it had no heat. I, it, I like Bobby Roode a lot. He's a heel. He's that gimmick well, is I don't a heel gimmick. With that, yeah, he's a heel. Uh, the women's title match was fine for what it was. Sort of a placeholder. Um, just moving the story along. It was it was a good show. If you get two great matches on one pay per view, that's a good show in my opinion. I didn't really I didn't I don't even remember who I picked in the WWE Championship match, but I but you I, said Nakamura, right? I, I mean, aside from my own picks, I'm that's you know I'm not trying to say that that I was right and they should do what I said. I, I honestly didn't remember. It is kind of crazy that after that like racist promo and the build that they had, that Nakamura just sort. I mean, obviously they they made he looked. He looked pretty good. He didn't. He, it wasn't a squash. He was distracted. There was a whole, you know, kind of screwy f- finish. But for him to lose that match and now presumably be like he's out. shunted out of the main event. Yeah, he's in that meaningless tag match on uh, SmackDown on Tuesday. It was so. meaningless. He it was, was pretty meaningless. You get to you get to celebrate with Randy Orton. That's not nothing. Yeah, it's it's disappointing. It reminded me of WrestleMania 19. Booker T, Triple H. Triple H gets all this heat on Booker T. You think, oh, big baby face win for mm-hmm. Booker T. He's going to win the title, and he loses clean. So it's a shame. But wah, wah. Do you think we're getting AJ in the title picture next? There's nobody else. Yeah, it seems like a pretty... He's cleared out the entire division in terms of baby faces. Yeah, that, that seems like a good decision for the, uh, for, for the international tour that they're about to take. AJ will get some good matches out of him. Uh, out of gender, that is. Yep. And uh, I'm excited to see AJ back on top. Um I, we'll see what it means for Nakamura. The uh, best case scenario is AJ wins the title at uh, Survivor Series or Elimination Chamber or whatever the December pay per view sure. is, and then it's him and Nakamura at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, and I, I also, I mean, I think it's just like word of you know, just warning to myself and to everyone listening to this that I mean, they did the right thing by pushing Nakamura right to the top when they brought him in. He's a huge star internationally. I mean, everybody knew, knows who he is. Um, and you know, especially with just like the history of Asian wrestlers in WWE, just pointing at him and saying like, this is a real guy is incredibly important to project, right? Yeah, he's not actually Samoan, like right. Yokozuna. but that said, if he, I mean, now that this feud is over, if he spends the next couple of months or six months in the sort of like mid card, you know, confusion, 
that's not necessarily the worst thing. He's still got a lot to work on before he's, you know, an all-time great, before he is a, uh, I mean, obviously he's he's got, I think anyone listening to this would probably put him above Jinder Mahal in like the who actually deserves the title <laughs> rankings. <laughs> probably. But the non-kayfabe power rankings. Um, but, you know, he can come back around. Yeah. It's, it, let's not, let's not, get, as I was just about to do it, let's not get get too freaked out about about his immediate future it's the long term that matters yeah i can see some look at finn i mean look at finn he's like everyone would have been stoked if he had just gotten that universal title reign right off the top everybody you know when he came back was like why isn't he getting the title shot but you know if assuming he gets back there eventually it's not like you can't say that the time spent in between wasn't worthwhile uh, so maybe this opportunity for nakamura will help him Kind of develop more of a WWE style and feel more feel more comfortable cutting promos and doing all the stuff that he has to do to be a top guy in WWE. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Let's anything else you want to touch on on the Hell in a Cell card really quick. You said you talked about the tag match. It was very very good. Orton over Rusev, Baron Corbin uh, got the belt. We got the U.S. Championship belt. I like the addition of Ty Dillinger. That was actually a really fun match. It that made was- me. It made it certainly. It, it, if if. It did what it set out to do, if that is to make me like a million times more interested in the Baron Corbin era of the U.S. title division than I was before. Not saying a lot, you know, zero times a million is still zero, but still. Excellent use of of Ty Dillinger. Yeah. I was saying during the show, like this, he's having a great match. He looks awesome. And, uh, you know, he doesn't look worse for taking the pin. Yeah. Charlotte versus Natalia was not what I hoped it would be, although it had some moments. I mean, and, and and as someone who is who has propagated this, you know, I mean, the the this as being a potential like six month feud, this was not the best outing in my <laughs> yeah. in my defense. But you know, uh, it's, uh, hopefully they'll 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 get a little bit more you know pay per view chemistry down, and uh, we'll see this again. Obviously, we still got the briefcase. I called a briefcase cash in, and uh, we did not get that yet again. Uh, just keep calling it. You'll be right eventually. <laughs> exactly. Um, was there anything else on Raw that we need to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, Alexa Bliss continues to bury Mickey James for being old. I don't get it. We don't need to talk about that. Oh, and also Emma's going to be wrestling Asuka at TLC. Right. I, I, I say wrestling in quotes because she's going to be squashed she's by She's going to be demolished. Yeah, it's a shame. Well, so at TLC right now, we have, I mean, the the, the card as it as it exists is... The Shield versus Strowman, Miz, and The Bar. Mm-hmm. Alexa, Mickey James. Mm-hmm. Asuka versus Emma. Kalisto versus Enzo. That's that's all that's been announced up to this point. I mean, it's conceivable that we... I mean, is it... I guess it's... I say conceivable. It's conceivable that we would have three women's matches on the card because you, we have two of the biggest stars uh, in the division aren't booked, but I guess that probably won't happen. I don't think, I don't think Bailey and Sasha Banks are going to be wrestling at that pay-per-view. Hmm. They they weren't even on the show, right? Were they on it? Were they on Raw? Yeah, there was a multi-person tag, wasn't there? Um, probably. I'm, I'm sure I fast-forwarded through it. Yeah, they were in the Fatal Five way. Oh, that's right. Of, of course. Um, yeah, and they, I mean that was I I really I enjoyed that match, and I think you know obviously Emma's the right look. There's two ways you can debut somebody when you're calling I mean, do the NXT call up. It's either like the monster push or the look how good of a performer this person is. They're obviously going with the former as they should with Oscar. And it's uh, it's it's, I'm excited, man. The valet could not be more stoked for Oscar. Oscar is my favorite um, of all the uh, the women in WWE right now, just because I think that she has the total package of charisma, in ring skill. Uh, she's you know her promos are what they are for the fact that English is a second language, 
but I think she's better at it than Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think the sky's the limit, and uh, putting the belt on her sooner rather than later is the move. But I know they love Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have every reason to. She's yeah. phenomenal. Sure. Um, we gotta do power rankings. We gotta we gotta do we gotta do we at some point because like I'm I'm just thinking about where I would put Alexa, and I and I'm having fun. Like I don't even know what the answer would be. I just want her matches to be a little bit more compelling. I, she hasn't had a, a showcase match on the main roster you know, yet. Bill and and uh, Bill Simmons and cousin Sal on on Bill's podcast on Monday talked a little bit about Hell in a Cell and how like the kids their kids are just like not that impressed at Shane jumping off the top of the cell. It's just like they've seen it before. Now like what's left except to like you know just like do something that's really going to risk your life. He survived a helicopter crash. There yeah, you go. But it wasn't on film. But True. like you can see. But I mean, I think part of the problem is you can see. Like, there's nothing that happens in a ring that you can't see some, like, Jagoff doing off a roof on YouTube. You yeah. know, there's nothing. Like, all the Fast and Furious movies are, like, cooler than wrestling when it comes to high spots broadly defined, you right. know? So, it, in some ways, it's like Mike's skills are more important than ever. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the scene of Reigns' work shoot is, like, the only, is, like, the thing that's going to grab the popular consciousness more than anything else, you know? But the live crowd will always pop for that because it's amazing to see that happen in real life. To see jumping off the top of a cage? Yeah. It's, it's f- one thing to watch it on television and be like, yeah, I saw that happen already, but to witness someone jump that high... Has there been any actual reporting on Shane McMahon's conditions. No, not not anything not kayfabe. Because yeah, that cuz yeah, the valet actually sent me an article from the sun. The the the, the sun.co.uk. <laughs> Their source is wwe.com, so that doesn't count. I know, but it's so funny that they I was just reading this like holy shit, and then I realized all they're doing is linking back to WWE, but the headline of this piece is medical update colon WWE superstar Shane McMahon rushed to the hospital with broken ribs dislocated shoulder and horror injuries after <laughs> falling 40 feet hell in a cell fall I don't know where it's that... not a hospital pal it's a local medical facility Smackdown live commissioner in hospital after horror 40 foot fall through a table Man. in his brutal match against Kevin Owens on Sunday you know, uh, kayfabe is not dead guys not at the sun um, I hope that Shane's doing great that was you know it seemed like I'm sure he has multiple injuries but not to that extent. Well, he wasn't on SmackDown. Well, he wasn't going to be. He's selling those injuries. Of course. He's going to make a triumphant return. It's going to be great. <clears throat> it's funny because it's like, I was I was so petrified for so much of that match. You know, it was it was a, it was a great match, but like every like all of the teases, it was it all seemed so scary. I think I'd prepared myself for like a shorter cage that KO could do a frog splash off of or something, you know. <laughs> That's what I was asking for. Um, but you know, and Shane, Shane did the bump perfectly, but it's still a terrifying bump because it's, first of all, you got to hit it just right. Obviously Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of room for error when, even on a gimmicked announce table, but it's not even, it's not the, it's, it's, it's not the fall. It's just that, that moment of like whiplash when he hits the table. I mean, that's how people get concussions and like, but even though it's going to, even though the table's padded and, you know, built to evaporate and cushion your, your fall, it's, it's still, it's still pretty scary. I wish that it were. As comp- you know, I wish that all the children of the world weren't so you know jaded about jaded. wrestling. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, they'll like, learn. They'll like, learn that your bodies hurt eventually. Shoemaker, I, you got a you got a busted up ankle. I do. When you get to be our age, kids, I, I, I'm I am the Dirk Nowitzki of walking around this office. <laughs> I just managed to roll my ankle every every. You should you should have gotten a wheelchair like Paul Pierce in the finals in 2008. I, I should get a wheelchair. I don't know that it would help. It would it would make it. I wouldn't be able to do anything. Elevate 
and ice. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do as soon as this podcast is over. Speaking of which, Keel Producer Jim, did we forget anything? No! All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, apologies to Dean Ambrose and congratulations to Dean Ambrose on the reformation of the shield. Yeah, huge. That that uh, t-shirt money is coming in. Hardcore. Thank you, Dave Schilling, for being my partner in crime. You're always welcome, my friend. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. 